Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. Since 1983, Eddie Trunk has been the voice for fans of rock, hard rock, and heavy metal. A best-selling author, host of TV's That Metal Show, and seven national radio shows, including Trunk Nation, daily on Sirius XM. Interesting. Eddie offers the world his news-making interviews, passionate analysis, honest commentary, and who knows what else. So welcome to the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Welcome, everybody. It's Eddie Trunk, and it's time for another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, which is new every Thursday. PodcastOne.com, Apple Podcasts, and of course, available now, totally free on Spotify. So be sure to listen multiple ways. Subscribe, favorite, do whatever you got to do to make sure you get this podcast each and every week. And I thank you for doing so wherever you are in the world. For listening to the Eddie Trunk Podcast, bringing you great rock talk and interviews each and every week. And as I tell you guys each and every week, the interviews you hear on this podcast come to you courtesy of my daily radio show, which is heard live Monday through Friday, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Sirius XM Channel 106. That channel would be volume. The show is Trunk Nation. And I hope if you are in the U.S. or Canada, you do indeed join me and listen. Now, if those times don't work for you, remember, there's a nightly re-air. Sorry, battling a cold here. There's a nightly re-air of my show every night, 10 to midnight Eastern. And if that doesn't work for you, you can listen to the show anytime you want if you're a subscriber because you can just pull it up on the SiriusXM app and download it or stream it. So multiple ways to listen to my daily show of rock talk and interviews on Sirius XM. I certainly hope you come on board if you are not already and you are based in America or Canada. Everybody else, this is a way for you to get a little sample of what I do on my radio show with the interviews that you hear each and every week. So I am uh, settling in here for what is pretty rare for me, a few weeks at home, home being New Jersey. And then I will, well, maybe by the time this even posts, I'll be getting ready and looking at the next L.A. trip and also potentially broadcasting from some upcoming cruises, uh, never-ending stuff going on as usual. And uh, it's great to have it all happening and have you guys on board for it. Did a great L.A. invasion 
from L.A. a couple weeks ago, Nuno Betancourt, Alter Bridge. If you get an opportunity and you have Sirius or XM, go to the Sirius XM app. There is video of my most recent broadcast from the Rainbow up there. Professionally shot that you can check out so you can see some of the stuff that I do when I do the radio show once a month from L.A. And we're working on the one that will be happening for March. Hopefully that date will be announced very, very soon. Today, a double interview for you, but it's two artists that are connected. The band Lamb of God, one of the bigger metal bands we have around the world today. Now, in full disclosure, I would be lying to you, which I don't like to do, if I told you that I personally was a huge fan of this band. I uh, like the guys in the band very much. I respect the hell out of what they do. And I do like elements of what they do, but I also have my entire life been honest about the fact that I prefer singing versus the screamo sort of vocals that a lot of popular metal bands have. And Lamb of God and their singer Randy Bly, and that is how you properly pronounce his last name, by the way, tends to scream a little bit more than sing. It's remarkable what he does. It really is. I mean, the energy he has and his ability to do that is pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, I don't expect the band to change for me. (laughs) What they do is unbelievably popular around the world. And most people really like it. But it was interesting with the last Lamb of God album because there was a song on it where Randy actually sang And I remember talking to him about it at the time that that album came out. And he said, yeah, I like doing that sort of stuff too. But my fans give us, the fans give us blowback when I do it. And I I just found that crazy that, uh, you know, people would be upset over someone trying to sing versus scream. But in certain portals of the metal world, that's how they feel and to each his own. So I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I am a psycho Lamb of God fan and know all their music and go to their shows. I respect the hell out of the band. I like all of the guys personally very much. And I've done some stuff with them over the years, had them on that metal show back in the day. I actually, if you've seen the uh, documentary, As the Palace is Burned, and if you haven't, by all means, you should check it out. It's a great documentary about what Randy went through Uh, You probably know by now, well-documented, his arrest in the Czech Republic a number of years ago for murder because a stage stage diver jumped off the front of the stage, hit his head. They claimed that Randy pushed that person, and when he went back to the Czech Republic, they pulled him off the plane, and he served a lot of time in jail and then was later exonerated of all charges. If you don't know that story, it is a remarkable story, and it is documented two ways. In a documentary that I mentioned called As the Palace is Burned, and also in a brilliant book that Randy wrote, which is called Darkest Days, and I recommend both highly, even if you're not a fan of the band, I recommend highly watching and reading these books. It's an incredible testament to Randy's perseverance and his strength and the way he handled the whole thing is nothing but admirable and class throughout 
and uh, really unbelievable story. So when Alice of the Palace is Burned were being done, was being done, the directors of that film, who, by the way, are currently doing the Dio documentary, they reached out to me and had me go down to Virginia. I remember it was a number of years ago, and I did some interviews with them for the bonus features on the DVD, if you have it. So I've done some stuff with Lamb of God over the years. More recently, we were both on the Megadeth cruise and traveled together. And just just great guys, great band, uh, nothing but respect for what they do. I would love it personally a little bit more if there was more melody. But again, they don't certainly need to please me. They are tremendously successful. And that being said, I had two members of this band on my radio show at different times. And I'm going to bring you both of those interviews in this week's podcast. So coming up second today, and this interview actually happened about a week prior to the interview with Randy, which we'll do first. But later in the podcast, Mark Morton, who is one of the two guitar players in Lamb of God, will be joining me. Now, Mark is doing solo music that is very, very different than what Lamb of God does. And it is very melodic, and some of it's acoustic, and he brings in great singers, and I like what Mark is doing very much. He's done an EP and a full-length record, recently an EP of covers, and we'll talk about all of that with Mark Morton in a few minutes as the second half of this week's podcast. And then coming up first, though, in just a matter of minutes, we'll talk to Randy Bly in an interview that was done much more recently. This interview is only about a week old and Randy is setting up and talking about the coming new Lamb of God album, as well as some other stuff, including a tour with Megadeth. So first, a very, very recent interview about the coming Lamb of God album with the band singer, Randy Bly, and the tour with Megadeth. And second, an interview from about three weeks ago with Lamb of God guitarist Mark Morton, more focused on his solo music, and of course, some Lamb of God stuff as well. So it's a Lamb of God double header featuring two separate interviews with two different members of the band on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. Before we get to that, I do want to tell you about NetSuite. What do companies like Ring, Hint, and Tecovis all have in common? They all use NetSuite to accelerate their growth. Successful companies know that in order to grow faster, you must have the right tools. If you want to take your company from 2 million to 10 million to 10 million to hundreds of millions in revenue, NetSuite by Oracle gives you the tools to chirp to turbocharge your growth. With NetSuite, you get a full picture of your business, finance, inventory, HR, customers and more. It's everything you need to grow all in one place, right from your phone or computer. NetSuite will give you the visibility and control you need to make the right decisions and grow with confidence. That's why NetSuite customers grow faster than the S&P 500. NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system, trusted by more than 19,000 companies. Trust me, it's the last system you will ever need. NetSuite Business grows here. Schedule your free product tour right now. That's right, totally free, and get a free guide. Six ways to run a more profitable business, and who doesn't want to do that? 
Go to netsuite.com slash trunk. netsuite.com slash T-R-U-N-K. That's netsuite.com slash my last name, trunk, T-R-U-N-K. netsuite.com slash trunk. So let's get to it right away with our interviews this week. Remember, follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter, Instagram, fan page on Facebook, EddieTrunk.com is the official online home for info and updates. We will come back and kick it off our Lamb of God double dip with Randy Bly first, followed by Mark Morton on this week's Eddie Trunk podcast. The Eddie Trunk podcast. From the creators of Cold Case Files and PD Stories comes the next great true crime podcast, I Survived. Every week, I Survived presents chilling first-person accounts from people who overcame deadly situations, allowing these survivors to describe the events as they unfolded and how they made it out alive. If you love true crime, you're going to love I Survived. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, podcastone.com and Apple Podcasts, and many other podcast apps, so you can get new episodes every week. This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Well, it's a very metal Eddie Trunk Podcast this week with two members of Lamb of God. As I mentioned, coming up in a few minutes, Mark Morton, the band's guitarist, talking about his latest solo stuff, as well as some Lamb of God stuff. But in a slightly more recent interview, we kick it off with Lamb of God's lead singer, always entertaining, engaging, very smart guy, like talking to Randy Bly a whole lot. And we had a nice conversation here about the coming tour of Lamb of God and Megadeth together, and of course, the announcement of a new Lamb of God album, as well as a single and video that's out there right now. So first up, here's Randy. So you're making the rounds for the record. May 8th, the new album coming out. You're getting the word out. Is that what's going on? Uh, that is correct, man. Up here in New York for the weekend, doing the do, talking to lovely people like you, and uh, enjoying the skyline out the window of the serious building. You, for people that don't know, and they should if they follow you on Instagram or what have you, you are way into photography. Have you been taking some pictures while you've been here? I've been in New York approximately 40 minutes. I ran straight to the hotel. Lamb of God has a travel curse, by the way. Um, Whenever we leave to fly somewhere, we're delayed at least four hours generally. And, (laughs) you know, if I'm traveling for something for myself, yeah, no problem. Flights go out. Today it was, you know, first the crew didn't get enough rest and then there was a maintenance issue. So I left about four hours later. This was supposed to happen earlier. I was supposed to be in New New York earlier. So, no, I literally uh, got landed in Newark, got in a town car, came to the hotel, met my buddy Chris Shields, put my stuff away. We walked here and uh, and walked in the studio immediately and just started it started popping. So I haven't had a chance to take any pictures yet, but I did bring my uh, beloved Leica M10 with me, and I'm going to be shooting out the windows because you guys got really fucking cool views here in the building. Yeah, that's why I asked because I know we do, and I figured you'd be into that. For people that, what's the what's the Instagram account, Randy, so they can see your work because it's really amazing. Ah, uh, thank you. It is at D Randall Blythe. Um, all one things D R A N D A L L B L Y T H E. 
So this record is out on May 8th. You're out there way in front of it, getting the word out. I know you guys just put out a video and a single, which has been very well received for the mm-hmm. track called Checkmate. Yes. Um, tell me about this record and the, and the making of it and what the fans can expect when they get it on May 8th. Well, uh, you know, the the making of this record, we did it a little bit different um, this time. And I really enjoyed that process. Because we were on tour, like the last album cycle for uh, Sturm and Drang was really long, and um, I'm going to go ahead and blame it on Slayer for why we didn't get back to the studio in time. Because Slayer, as you know, was on their final world tour, and they kept on offering us legs of the tour. Um, We did every leg of the final world tour, except for the last one. Um, And, you know, what are you going to say? No to Slayer. It's our last tour ever. So, um... In between tours with Slayer, uh, Mark and Willie, who write the actual music, um, would get together with our producer, Josh, and sometimes just with each other, I believe, and they worked on some riffs. And then we go back on tour and, um, you know, then come back and they do a couple of more writing sessions. So normally, like, when we, when we go to a writing session, the guy, everybody gets together we lock ourselves in the studio and those guys hammer out on 16th notes for hours and hours and hours driving <laughs> me insane, you know, but they just play the same thing over and over and over again. Well, it's not the same thing. There's subtle differences. And they say, do you like, or do you like, and I'm like, I have no idea what the difference is, but they do, you know, they do very, very meticulous players. So normally that, you know, that's a pre-production sort of process and we'll do that for like three weeks, a lot of times at a practice space in Richmond, and then we'll go into actual recording. This time, um, the pre-production was stretched out over many different sessions. And I really like that because I think it provides you some distance from the material. Um, you know, you record three or four songs and then you go on tour for six weeks and you're not really listening to those songs, and then you, you kind of let it sit there and mellow, and then you come back and listen to them, and you, and you have fresh ears, and you're like, oh, that works, or oh, that doesn't work. I, I love that, but obviously it's not going to work. So um, you kind of, you're allowed to get outside the fishbowl a little bit, you know, because when you're just writing, writing, writing straight to record, you you get into this sort of, I don't know, kind of myopic zone, I think, where all you see is what is in front of you. Um, and, mm-hmm. and all your musical choices are informed kind of by, by what you're doing this time. It, there was some distance. And I think that really allowed us to, to separate the wheat from the chaff as it were, um, and pick out, you know, I, th- I think we recorded 12 songs total. Um, and we, you know, I wanted a 10 song release, uh, not 11, not 14, not 15, 10 fucking solid bangers. And uh, and that's what we got. And then there's a, a couple of tracks that'll probably go to Japan or something, you know, because they always want a bonus track. So um, it was super uh, collaborative with this. Um, sometimes in the past, Mark, like I said, Mark and Willie write the actual music. I write lyrics, uh, vocal melodies. On this particular record, I actually got a riff or two in. Um, Meaning by, by, I'm not saying I picked up the guitar, but I'd say, Mark, play this. And he would translate my humming, you know. 
Mm. So technically, I wrote the riff. Um, I couldn't play it <laughs> right. without you know a lot a lot of figuring. I could figure it out eventually, but I, I probably wouldn't be able to just pick up a guitar and play it. But um, I got one or two riffs on the record. But this time, um, you know, in the past, sometimes Mark would come in with a batch of songs, and Willie would come in a bat- with a batch of songs, and they might mess with each other's songs some, but like uh, sometimes they'd have complete songs. And so you'd kind of make a record out of that Mark and Willie songs. This time, you know, they both brought in ideas. Willie in particular brought in like literally 40 songs, I think. Um, and then they just deconstructed them and worked on each other's songs. They hijacked each other's songs, which is when I think our best songs uh, really come out is when, you know, Mark will write a song and Willie will just take it and be like, I love that riff. But and then add his sort of flavor because they're very different players, you know, the two mm-hmm. completely different styles of players that complement each other. So um, it was real collaborative. They, they, you know, worked with each other and there wasn't, um, there wasn't any sort of ego involved because, you know, I, I know as a lyric writer at times I've had it out with producers or uh, my bandmates over a particular line. I'm like, I, they're like, I don't like that line. And I'm like, no, fuck you. I love this line. Um, and I think the same thing happens with riffs and drum parts and bass lines and everything because you as a player are so in love with something and, and it holds a significance to you and you you just love it. You know, I wrote this on a really good day and, and I think it's killer. And you have this internalized sort of idea of that part of the music. And so you you're attached to it. You may love it, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's good for the project. You know, like Tennessee Williams said about writing, you have to be willing to kill your darlings, meaning like characters he'd write, you know, who he loved. Uh, He's like, I just love this character I wrote. That doesn't mean it's good for the play. So you got to kill it. Um, In the past, sometimes myself included, uh, not everybody was willing to kill their darlings for the good of Mm. the project so much. And this time that, that, um, you know, that uh, that didn't happen. Everybody was super, super collaborative. Um, and it was just a really good vibe writing. Um, Let with- me ask you this. The other the other big significant thing about the record is this is your first with a new drummer with Art Cruz. This is mm-hmm. his first appearance on a Lamb of God album. How did the how did that go? Uh, you know, I'm, I think he did a fucking fantastic job. Um, Art is a really solid drummer. I think this is, it was interesting to watch him go through it because writing a Lamb of God record, even though it was pleasant this time is generally not a a pleasant experience to (laughs) undergo. It's just not because we're so fucking brutal on ourselves. Right. Like that's why it doesn't fucking matter to us. Really. If a song comes out and, and a few people are like, that sucks. I wish it sounded more like as the palaces burn or whatever is like, you know, I don't give a fuck what you think because we have put ourselves through absolute hell already to make this. We are our own worst critics by far. It's ridiculous. You know how hard we are on ourselves. So, um, That being said, it doesn't make for a very pleasant writing and recording experience sometimes. <laughs> and watching art kind of step into this world. <clears throat> and, you know, um, I'm sure he was nervous. 
you know, because it's your first record with a band and we're a 25 year established band with with a large fan base. I'm sure he was nervous, um, but he handled it. You know, he did a really good job. And I think also it was it was definitely the the longest time he'd ever had to record a record because he's recorded with Prong. He's recorded with his other band, Winds of Plague. And I think it a lot of it was uh, get in there, get it done because the budget isn't, you know, there for you to take all all day. And, you know, I think he was a bit more directed by um, by his bandmates in those other projects. We want you to do this. We want you to do that. With this, we're like, okay, kid, let's see what you got, you know. Um, and he just did a fantastic job, you know. It has that Lamb of God sound um, because we're not – we are Lamb of God. We're not trying to all of a sudden play polka beats or something, you know? Um, but it definitely, he adds his own flavor to it. There's a lot of different things he does, uh, differently, I guess, than our, our former drummer did. Um, it's just different. So, and drum nerds will pick that apart, you know, for me, um, and I said this in an interview a little while ago, I don't really listen to the drums that much when we play, (laughs) Right, like, like I have no drums in my monitors on stage. Uh, I don't. I listen to guitar riffs, really. Sometimes a little bass for feeling, but you know, I like I've had people say, "How much do you need more drums?" You know, you need to keep time, and I'm like, "No, no, I don't need any drums." So, um, and that's what it's about for me is playing live. You know, I can hear the snare drum. That's all I need. Crack every now and then. I don't need to hear the bass drums going. That does nothing for me. You know, it, it's just claustrophobic in my head. I, I need to be able to hear a guitar riff. So Art is the guy. In other words, are you, do, you, do you guys still have a, a dialogue with Chris Adler? I mean, do, do you, do you, is there anything you can tell fans about where that situation went and how this has all been resolved? I mean, the way it's been resolved is that uh, Chris Adler is no longer in Lamb of God. That's been publicly said, and Art Cruz is our new drummer, and that's about all we have to say about that. All right. Well, fair enough. Well, look, look the other thing that's interesting here is Megadeth. So we know that that at one point, you know, Chris was playing in both bands. But the other thing is, is you guys have had a, a pretty interesting intertwining with Megadeth recently. You actually, on the Mega Cruise, which I saw you on, you came on when, when Dave was unable to play. Yeah. Now you're getting ready to go out with Megadeth yeah. on a big tour along with Trivium and In Flames. Yeah. So there's a lot of... Um, is the word cross pollinization <laughs> with with Megadeth, which is pretty cool to to to, to see happening. But I'm, I'm imagining you're pretty excited about going out and sharing a bill with them. Sure, I mean, you know, we haven't really done a proper tour with Megadeth since Gigantour, and that dude, I can't even remember how long ago that was. It all just bleeds together. Um, but we did, you know, a full run when Dave was still doing the Gigantours uh, as main support for Megadeth. And that was a good time. Um, uh, you know, I'm good friends with Dave Ellison. I'm really looking forward to hanging out with him uh, on, on the tour. Love that dude. He's such a solid, solid guy. Yep, great guy. And he's a sober guy like me, you know. So uh, sober guy like me and like Mark Morton, um, you know. And so that's always special for, for people like us. Which we, is Mark is new to that. Cause Mark was on recently to promote his solo record and Mark uh, is sober for what a year or so now. Yeah. Over a year, man, you know, totally clean and sober over a year. And, uh, I'm just 
fucking super proud of him on that. You know, I wouldn't bring it up except for that he he has because that's his, yeah, sure. his situation to talk about. And uh, and Ellison is publicly sober too. So oh yeah. So um, that's why I feel comfortable bringing that up. I'm not airing anyone's private business. But how long have you been, Randy? Uh, over nine years now. Congrats, man. Is it still tough? No. God, drinking was tough. Drugging was tough. <laughs> Do you know how much fucking work it takes to like, for someone like me, dude, to to pace myself, to be able to uh, get on stage and not fall all down and throw up all over myself, to pace myself, to, to control myself enough so that I'm coherent uh, to get through an airport. <laughs> I mean... Dude, it's so much work and and trying to hide the drinking and hide the drugs and all that shit. Um, it's exhausting. It's totally, utterly and completely exhausting. So for me, uh, being sober, I mean, you know, I never say I'm going to be sober forever because I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball. You know, I don't know what the future is going to hold. I know that I'm, I got a pretty good guess and I'm going to be sober for the rest of today. And that's all I worry about. Um, mm. Since I got sober, I'm like, okay, if I can just make it through today, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to go to sleep and uh, tomorrow will take care of itself. And if I don't wake up with a hangover, you know, it'll probably take care of itself pretty well. So, you know, that's been nine years and there's not a single thing I miss about drinking. Not a single fucking thing. Uh, um, it, you know, I drank every bit of fun out of out of drinking. <laughs> By the end, it was just sad. It was, and when you get older, it's a bitch, man. Oh, dude, recovery that, is a bitch. That, Even, I, I've never, I've never had a drinking problem, but he, every once in a while, I'll go and have a, a, you know, have a couple, and then even that, the next day, I'm like, man, I'm feeling like oh, shit today. Well, you know, as on the science based side of things, as you get older, you know, there's three organs that process alcohol in your your body. There's the pancreas, the liver, and the kidneys. And they produce these enzymes that convert the alcohol into simple sugar, which goes through your body and gets, you know, it, it goes eventually goes out through urine or sweat or whatever, you know. Um, as you get older, everyone, those, those organs stop producing as many enzymes that process that alcohol. So um, some people are better at it than others, but... Uh, you know, as you get older, the hangovers get worse. Oh, yeah. You know, I noticed that. And that's, you know, that's just simple science. And that's really for everyone. Um, and, I, dude, God, the hangovers for me were fucking horrific at the end. It was just like I wanted to take a claw hammer to my forehead when I woke up in the morning. Like, <laughs> and they lasted a lot longer, too. Oh, just, they always <laughs> just so brutal, you know. And, and, you know, and I'm still not a morning person. I don't like Me waking neither. up. I Never been. I don't wake up and I'm not like, yay, life. You know, I'm like, Ugh. I'm right with you there. I'm like fucking, <laughs> God damn it. No. Where my back hurts because I'm old and stupid and, and where's the coffee and all that shit, you know, but I don't wake up feeling like I want to commit suicide. <laughs> right, right. All right. The new album is out May 8th. The tour with Megadeth, Trivium, and In Flames kicks off in their backyard in Virginia on June 12th. Yeah. You can find out all the dates and all the information and everything that's going on with the band. See the new video for the brand new single that's just been released, which is called Checkmate. It's all at lamb-of-god.com. 
com Lamb of God. And you can uh, you can do the pre-order bit. I'm sure you've got like some sort of uh, bundles, vinyl, CD, whatever the hell you want. You basically can go to the site and do it all there pretty much, right? Yeah, I believe they've put together some stuff, you know. The funny thing is I never – they don't ever give me the cool colored vinyl of shit, man. It reminds <laughs> me. I always forget to – Bust management's balls about that. Where I, ha- I have an epic rep in the studio with me. Hey, I want colored vinyl. Okay, she says she's got me. What's your name again? Christina. Tina. Christina. Christina. Tell her all. Tell her all I want is CDs. I love CDs. Please, all I want is a CD. All, That's all, all I want. All Eddie, need, Eddie needs a CD. For CD. Him. Yeah. All I care about is CDs. Okay. I'm not on the vinyl kick. Just a l- love my CDs. I want the purple, purple and blue swirl. <laughs> if, if we you don't, can, if we don't have one, will you get on that? <laughs> All right, perfect. You only can, only one find only one hundred and thirty eight of those made, please. Oh, all right. <laughs> all the dates, the wet, the video, everything you need to know is at the the band's website. Hey, you mentioned you did a bunch of touring with Slayer, which we of course know you did. Yeah. Do you think they're truly done? Uh, you know, I think so. Because uh, it doesn't to me, it doesn't seem like anybody ever is truly done. Whether it's Motley Crue, whoever it is, they all come back. Do you think that you think they're done? Done? I mean, you know, I don't, people are if they come back and do a tour in two years, where you're like stupid ass Randy said Slayer run. <laughs> you know, I don't want to fucking hear it, morons. Okay, I'm giving you my opinion. <laughs> yes, I think they're done, dude. I think they are done. I mean. Maybe a show, maybe or two, and maybe you know. But I like I said, I don't have a crystal ball, and my feeling is that they are done. And so, people, if you didn't see them, you missed it. But I didn't. (laughs) Everybody should also check out. And I talked about this before you came on, Randy. The the, your book, Darkest Days, is brilliant. The documentary, As the Palaces Burn, brilliant. Um, Obviously, horrific thing in your life that you you know that those products came out of. Are you still dealing with any repercussions from what you went through in the Czech Republic? No. It's all. No, I can go anywhere I want. You know, I was found not guilty. Right. No, I know that, but you never know if there's. I don't know if there's stuff that comes up or anything that you need well, to, to I mean, deal with. Like if I got, if I'm going to, I think some countries, you know, I have to fill out a declaration of, you know, this is what happened. I think I believe Australia is is one I have to do that for, and probably Japan because, you know, I was charged with a pretty serious crime, but. All you have to, all I have to do is fill this thing out, and I already have it filled out. I just re-sign it or whatever, you know. I mean, I was found not guilty, so you know, um, it's interesting. You know, when Canada is one of these countries, if you're charged with something, and this is it, Canada is the hardest country for Americans to get into as a band the hardest and you can is that right yes and you can fucking walk there if you you know threw an egg at someone's car when you were 16 and you got caught it might pop up and it all depends on the border patrol but it can't and it's all a scam for money and i think the americans treat them the same way so like when you go to canada if you are facing a charge you haven't even been tried yet but you've been charged with something you'll have to spend money to get a special permit because they'll be like, we don't want your kind here. 
unless you pay us five thousand dollars, right? Mm. And and I've had to do that before. So it's all a scam. And I have a theory about the Canadian American border beef, and it started back when before there were really cities, and the border was just two shacks on either side, and there was a village nearby, and in that village there's the American guy, right, and his shack. And there was the Canadian guy in his shack. And in the village nearby, there was one young girl. And they were both in love with the young girl. (laughs) So one of them got the young girl, and the other border guy said, you know what, I'm going to say fuck you to your people, and it's going to be hard for them to get (laughs) it. And the other guy said, okay, fuck you. So, you know, and it's been like that ever since. Ask any band about going to Canada. And ask Canadian bands about coming to America. Ask any band, they're all going to tell you a horror story of some sort. Wow. All right. One more thing I want to ask you about. The last record came out, I remember, and you had a song on it called Overlord, which I really liked. Uh-huh. And I remember seeing you at Rock on the Range at that, that year, and we were around the coffee machine or something. I said, you know, because I, I love the singing. Uh, I love singing more than the, mm-hmm. the sort of, you know, aggressive vocal style. So do I. I. And I go, Randy, I go, I really love what you're doing with Overlord, and I love the. And I remember you making a comment to me at that time saying something like, so do I, but my fa- our fans are giving us some shit about it. I don't know how much longer I can keep singing like this. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to Checkmate, you're, stu- you're still able to do it, and I just saw you live, and the energy and the vocal and what you're doing out there is insane. But my question is, on the new album, are you doing some stuff like Overlord? Is there more singing, or did you stay away from that i mean you're gonna have to listen to it to find out all right all right well i'm not i can neither confirm nor deny those things (laughs) how do you feel physically delivering shows at this point in your life the way you're doing it i mean what you have to bring and what you're expected to do when you get out there is incredible and what you bring is incredible but how do you feel about doing it do you still have the same energy uh obviously i do (laughs) because <laughs> I do it every fucking night, you know. But I, does it hurt more? Yes, absolutely. It doesn't hurt more when I'm doing it, but unless I fuck myself up while I'm doing it, which happens, but it it uh, it hurts more after. It definitely does. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, man. I saw you guys at that Exit 111 festival. I was standing right on the side of the stage, and it was... It was a hell of a performance, and I was like, "Man, I'm I, my knees hurt just watching Randy up there." Yeah, right now. dude, I wear two knee braces. I tape my knees because I got a torn meniscus from skateboarding on tour with Slayer a while ago. Um, I got uh, torn meniscus. My ankles are fucked up from years of skateboarding, so I wear two knee braces. I wrap my knees. I wrap my ankles. I wear two ankle braces. I look like fucking I'm gonna be in roller derby or something, you know, when I go up there. So. But you know, I still I still got the hops, bro. You know, someone's got to show the youngins how it's done. Yeah, no, you do. There's no doubt about that. And and everybody was standing around watching. It's like he's still the best at doing that, man. So good on you. It's pretty pretty impressive. Again, May eighth, everybody. The new album from Lamb of God, and it's self titled, right? Yes, sir. Why why that? We ran out of ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me that's not the case, but I mean that's that's going to be my standard answer from here on out. Hey, it it just it it felt right, dude. You know, Uh, and how 
And how about and how about real quick? How about your boy uh, Mark Morton stepping out now with now an album and an EP, one of which you contributed to? Yeah, man, he's like super productive right now. I'm a little worried about him, but it's kind of hypocritical because I do eight million things at the same time. You know, <laughs> I just put out a single with the Saw Dad Music Collective, which is like me and Lee Scratch Perry doing vocals. It's crazy wow. as shit. Um, but Mark is, you know, he's. You know, like I said, he's like over a year sober, and I know what happened with me is when I got sober, the creative shit just started exploding in my head. I, you know, I started exhibiting photographs. I started writing more for magazines. I wrote a book. I do, you know, do all these side projects, blah, 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 blah. So all that, all that stuff is like suppressed when you're drinking and drugging, and then when you stop, the lid gets ripped off, and you just got to go for it. Hey, man. That music means I got to end. Great talking to you. We'll do more when the record gets closer to release. New Lamb of God album out on May 8th. Go to their website for the dates with Megadeth and all the info that you need. Be well, brother. I'll see you soon. Okay, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Drunk. I'll see you, man. Thanks to Randy from Lamb of God for joining us on the Eddie Trunk podcast. Of course, all the interviews originated on my Sirius XM radio show. Coming up next, it's Lamb of God guitarist Mark Morton, a second interview for you on this week's podcast. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. This This is the Eddie Trunk Podcast. We're back. This time, it's Mark Morton, Lamb of God's guitarist, who gave me a call a couple weeks ago on my SiriusXM radio show. Mark called to talk about a new solo EP that he did, which is a follow-up to a full-length solo album. I like what Mark does as a solo artist very much. It's way different than Lamb of God, very melodic as well. And uh, we had a conversation about all of that, and here it is for you on this week's podcast. How are you, bud? Doing well, Ed. How are you, man? Thanks for having me. Anytime, man. I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So uh, you're you've made a really cool new EP here. I know we had John for the the first solo record, but this thing is um, is really well done. I really enjoy it, and uh, congrats on it. Thanks so much. Yeah, I feel like we just talked. We were just talking about anesthetic, and here we are again. Um, I uh, yeah, it just came together really quick, man. I didn't necessarily anticipate releasing something so fast, but um one thing led to another and here we are again so i'm glad you're enjoying it yeah i am the record is called ether and uh am i saying that right is it ether or ether it's ether yeah right ether that's what i thought okay i for some reason because the press release is spelling it e-t-h-e-r now i'm no genius but i i would probably have spelled ether e-i i would have thought it would have been spelled like that but i was spelling was never my my strong suit that's why i was checking on the pronunciation no you're good yes ether as in ether aesthetic ether right so this is an ep of five tracks and uh, talk about what you did here mark because this is although not a hundred percent acoustic more of a stripped down thing right it is, yeah. It's like each song has an acoustic component. I like to characterize it as, um, you know, primarily acoustic, 
component and all of the originals that there's five songs two covers three are originals and the three originals were all written on the acoustic guitar and it honestly it really sprung from having the chance to do some um some support shows and kind of showcase shows around the anesthetic album that i put out last year and i was asked to do these couple acoustic things uh, and it was really cool and i had never honestly never actually in all my years performed in that kind of setting, in that kind of context, and really enjoyed it. I really liked the challenge of interpreting the songs for acoustic guitar and kind of changing the vibe there to something more mellow. So I walked away from that thinking that was really cool. I'd like to do some more stuff like that, wrote some tunes, and then had the opportunity to record them and release them, and here we are. I was going to ask you about that, the difference between, and having just seen Lamb of God, you play with Lamb of God twice at a festival and on a cruise, but the difference between the approach of getting up on a stage with Lamb of God and Randy stomping and flying all over the stage and then going and doing something like this, it's got to be almost sort of like, not not that not that you ever want to detox from metal, because when it's in your blood, it's in your blood, but it's got to, it's sure. got to kind of feel good and feel a little different like a total a total adjustment for you to kind of go into that mode it is it is a different kind of thing like i said i'd never actually performed like that i mean i've played acoustic guitar for you know however i don't know how long i've been playing guitar 35 years or something like that um my first guitar was an acoustic and i've always played um and i've always messed around and come up with little parts and pieces and even a couple times used some of that stuff in lamb of god we have an intro to uh, an album called the passing and that's an acoustic piece that i wrote and um so but yeah actually doing shows like that different kind of thing and really this whole solo campaign i've been doing the last year and a half or so um is kind of I'm, I'm learning i'm getting my feet out from under me i'm not used to being the guy talking in between songs i'm not used to my name on the banner my name on the marquee and that kind of stuff so really it's all it's all been a learning process and one that i'm really grateful to have the opportunity to uh to pursue well it's been it's the norm now for people in major bands to have another outlet and have something else going on on the side what for you you know being in a really successful metal band that tours globally what was the catalyst for you what uh, you know stepping out with the previous record and now this EP what was the what was the biggest driving force for you to want to do this was it just to do something different was it to show another side of your playing were there songs that you had written that you didn't think would be right for lamb of god what what was the biggest driver to go and do something on your own initially it was really kind of all of those things and it's a combination of them i i've always written rock oriented stuff and stuff that's maybe a little more melodic or more if you will commercial just kind of more i guess rock and blues oriented um than what one would traditionally associate lamb of god with so i've always you know, been tinkering with that kind of stuff and working on those kind of songs. I just didn't really have a, a destination for them, a place to put them, you know, and I've written some stuff with other people kind of more behind the scenes. And, um, you know, just, there was never really an outlet for that kind of stuff. And it just started piling up. So when I played some of it for Josh Wilbur, who's my longtime producer, he was like, man, let's, let's work on some of this. Like, let's really develop these tunes. Cause you got some good stuff here. And that's where anesthetic started. Um, and, and the process of anesthetic was really not even counting like the writing I had done before. It was a couple years really from the, our first demos until we were mixing. Um, so it was really a long kind of gestation period there. And just the process of bringing all the different players in and out and scheduling. And of course, Lamb of God was really busy. So I was working in between 
you know, whenever I had a little window of a break in Lamb. So it took a long time, um, but it was a blast to do. And then I went out and toured on it, and the album was well-received. We had a hit song with Chester. Um, it was just a really, really cool campaign and a really cool moment. So I walked away from that, like, feeling great about it. And uh, I guess now I just kind of, I guess, Ed, I just do this now. <laughs> I guess I just have this, uh, you know, I have this, so far I've had the opportunity to, when I come up with stuff that's outside of metal, um, I've I've been lucky enough to have a place to put it and have uh, people to work on it with and, and to, to be able to release it. So um, it's I think it's really healthy. You know, you mentioned that, you know, a lot of guys are doing this outside of their main bands. I think it's really healthy. Um because rather than try and figure out how to get my blues fix in a Lamb of God album, you know what I mean? Or, or to maybe we can get Randy to sing this really catchy chorus, you know, kind of that I've been working on kind of thing. Like it gives me a place to put that stuff. It gives me an arena, a, a, a bubble to live in with that stuff and develop it. And then when I go back to Lamb of God, which I have done um, since anesthetic, you know, to write and work on new stuff for Lamb, uh, there's more of a focus, more of a clarity, and just more of a kind of, a, I guess, a, a little bit more at peace with what is appropriate for the band, what honors the legacy and the body of work that we've sort of developed and curated over the years. And um, it just makes everything, uh, I don't know, more balanced, I think. You mentioned Chester, which, of course, Chester Bennington, the late Chester Bennington from Lincoln Park, who was on the previous record, and Aesthetic, and you said how well that song did. Was that the, does that stand, and I don't know if this is true or not, but was that the last vocal he did? Was that the last song that we have from him? Do you know? You know, people people ask me that a lot. Um, I don't know for certain, because I don't know if him and Mike were working on more stuff um, after Chester was in with Josh and I uh, to do cross off. And, uh, you know, I've never, I've never talked to those guys about that. If they, you know, were tracking more, I, I, I don't know. And I know, um, I don't know the timeline of his grade A stuff either. What I do know is that it was certainly one of the last, if it wasn't the last. And um, I certainly, you know, I don't think anyone had any idea that that, that would be the case when we were tracking it. When we were, when we were writing and recording that song, we had a, we, it was a really Really good memories, man. Really uh, positive, upbeat vibe. Really creative, inspired vibe. And I look back on it really, really fondly and really lucky to have gotten a chance to work with that guy. He was a special cat, for sure. Well, we, and we should tell people, so what you did on that record and what you've done to some degree on this EP is you have you have different singers on various tracks. But before we talk more about the current EP, though, something you said is interesting there. So when you worked with Chester or whatever singers you worked with, you know, I know Miles Kennedy was on the previous record. On this record, you've got Lizzie Hale. You've got Mark Morales on, on uh, one of the songs. You've got a bunch of different vocalists. But when you work with these people... Uh, Mark, you and and in the case of Chester, you were actually in the same room with them because a lot of what I hear when I talk to artists, it's like, oh, they re did it in the studio or they did it on the road and they just sent us the file. You, how much of these artists were you actually able to get in the same room with? Yeah, whenever possible, whenever at all possible, I like to be in the same room, breathing the same air, listening through the same speakers, getting the same... You know, music for me is really, really personal, and, and it's, 
I don't know, man. It's there's just something about when you can work with someone and make eye contact and really understand like the 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 real human element of creating music with someone. It, it's uh, it's ideal. It's not always possible. I've had great results not doing that. Um, you know, Chester and I were in the same room. We we worked. We we wrote those lyrics together. Uh, I was there when he tracked it. Uh, we went back and forth with ideas, trying different stuff. Josh, of course, at the helm as the producer and engineer. Um, so, you know, that, that worked out great. Lizzie uh, is the only performance on the new EP on Ether. She wasn't able to be with us. She had just finished up like a massive world tour. I think she was like Europe to Australia to Japan or something crazy like that. And she was uh, cool enough, kind enough to get home. And within a day and a half, two days or something of being home, she had sent her vocal. So she got right home from tour, recorded it at her studio at her place in Nashville and sent it to us to drop into the track and it's amazing so you know it's not always uh imperative that you're in the same room and and you know you start working with professionals of, of that caliber and you're going to get great stuff but for me uh vibe wise it's ideal i like it best if i can be um like i said in the same four walls with the with the people i'm working with whenever possible yeah, no, that makes sense, and I would feel the same way if I was a musician as well. Uh, speaking of Lizzie Hale, the track on Ether that she does is a cover of the Black Crows' She Talks to Angels. Obviously a great song. Above and beyond that, was there any other reason for you to want to do that? I just, I love the Crows. Like, I've been loud and proud Black Crows fan uh, pretty much their whole career. Um, on the last album on Anesthetic, I was, fortunate enough to be able to work with Steve Gorman, who was their longtime drummer, and Mark Ford was one of their longtime great lead guitar players. He's actually the only guest guitarist I had on Anesthetic. Um, guess, uh, so got to work with them, and on this one, knowing, kind of going into this one, knowing it was going to be um, acoustic-based, uh, I started thinking about songs to cover. Of course, that great song, She Talks to Angels, Black Crow song, is an acoustic you know, primarily acoustic song, and I was thinking about how it would work, and I thought maybe flipping the angle, you know, of the singer, flipping the, the protagonist um, from a man to a woman would give the vocal and give the lyrics a different kind of power, a different kind of spin on it. Um, and, man, Lizzie just, she knocked it out of the park. She's amazing. I just saw it now, and we were talking for a little bit. I mean, she's just a, she's just such a, a wonderful person and just such a such a force, man. She's it's, it's just great to have a woman out there in, in rock and roll doing what she's doing. She's she works with so many people. She's she does such good work with her own band. She's just she's just a great ambassador for rock. I really really like her so much. She is, man. Rock and roll needs her, man. We're lucky to have yeah. her, and she's a phenomenal phenomenal guitar player as well. She's a a super talent. Yeah, she truly is. So you all, so you also have the other cover on the the new Ether EP is Pearl Jam's Black, which is sung brilliantly by Mark Morales. Now we should mention for those that don't know, Mark is in a band, a, a cool band that I saw not too long ago, opening for Alter Bridge, called uh, Sons of Texas, and he's basically your primary singer. Like when you go out and play live, you play with him, right? Yeah, he's so he's the singer in my live band, and he's been on both releases as well. Uh, he sang the song Blur on Anesthetic, and he sang two songs on the new Ether EP. He sang uh, the original All I Had to Lose, and then, yes, he sang our, our, our cover of Black, um, which he did a, a pretty, pretty remarkable performance there, a very emotional performance. And same deal to pick that as the other cover, just uh, obviously a great song, and, and, and you're a Pearl Jam fan? Or was there more to great, it than that? 
Well, yeah, great song. I mean, I just, I think there seems to be, and it wasn't planned, Eddie. I just think there seems to be this kind of like 90s thread running through all the solo stuff I do. Some of the people, you know, working with Mark Lanigan, and there's some of the vibe of some of the songs. It's just that era of music for me was so important. It still is. I listen to that stuff all the time and um, just really kind of helped me, I guess, formulate my ideas about songwriting and what I liked and what I didn't. And so much great music from that era. I think black is one of the great songs from that era. And, and lyrically it really, really sort of captures those universal feelings of like loss and longing and, you know, uh, what if and why and all that kind of stuff that, you know, everybody feels at some point in their life. So I just think it's a really a great song. And we, you know, it's tricky when you go in, to do these covers but you know i think about it after the fact and we covered black and she talks to angels i'm like man that's pretty bold of me you know what i mean but you try and you try and put a different spin on these great songs and i think with black we went for a real stripped down kind of barren approach to it and it's really just very i'm playing very minimally on the guitar just kind of running through the chord progressions and leaving a lot of space for the vocal and Mark sings it so well, I think it made for this kind of really lonely sort of take on the song, and it, I, I think it brings a certain kind of power to it. And let's talk about the the lead track on it, All All I Had to Lose. Um, you've, you've said, I've read in other interviews, you said that's a tremendously personal song to you. Anything you want to elaborate on on that? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've written a lot of lyrics over the course. I've written a lot of the lyrics for Lamb of God and, you know, certainly in, in a lot of my solo stuff. So it's funny because I, I just, writing lyrics for me is a way of sort of processing and navigating whatever I seem to be going through. So you can sort of go back through my discography and sort of follow along what's been going on in my life, you know, from addiction and alcoholism to the loss of a child to, you know, what have you. And, I you know... I guess uh, a little while back, I got sober, and it seemed to stick, and it was a real kind of just sort of life-altering process for me, and um, yeah, so I just kind of document that, talk about some of that in the lyrics for All I Had to Lose. How long have you been sober now? A little over a year. Well, congrats, man. How you feel about it? You hanging in there with it? Is it tough? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's... Uh, everybody's journey with it is a little bit different. It's, uh, I love it, man. It's a one day at a time kind of thing. And, uh, I've got a lot of, a lot of help from people that have changed their lives as well. And, and, uh, yeah, it's great, man. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything about it. Good. Well, good, to, good on you, man. We're all getting older and having your health is nothing more important than that. So that's good to hear. So you, well, you. you went out, you went out and, uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. So when you did download, you played download acoustic. So I did, yeah, but not. So Lamb was on the main stage, so we right. that was fully electric <laughs> in front of probably a hundred thousand people or something like that. But that day, yeah, there was a Zippo had a tent that they sponsored where they were doing um, different little showcase shows, and. Um, I did one of those with Mark Morales, who we were just talking about. Um, did a couple of the songs off of uh, my anesthetic record. And we had Jason from Fever 333 came and joined us. And we did a, uh, a cover of Marvin Gaye's What's Going On. And he, he sang it great. And it was a really, really cool moment. Man. 
Uh, all right, cool. I was just wondering if you were up because I've I've been to download a couple times. I was just thinking of you out there with an acoustic guitar on that main stage with a sea of lunatics. Yeah. And I'm like, I'd love to know how you ha- how that went down for you. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been real fortunate and got some cool stuff going on, Ed. But I'm not sure I'm ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> well who knows man these things keep doing well and 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 yeah, uh you, know, you do well you never know you, you never, never know that, hey what did you you know listening to you as a player in lamb of god and then hearing this side of you and and we're gonna when we let you go we're gonna play uh a, a little of uh the song so people can hear what we're talking about here from ether but when when what what did you like who were your guys growing up? What what were you really into? Because you, you show a lot of different sides to your playing, and I'm just curious what you know. What were the big influences for you as a kid? You know, it's the the first guy that ever made me like just fascinated by the guitar in and of itself was Eddie Van Halen, and I have an older brother who's about eight years older than me, which means, um, you know, when I was eight or nine, he was like, you know, whatever that is, uh, 16, you know. So all the great, and this would have been, you know, the late 70s, early 80s. So all the great music of that time frame was just coming out of his bedroom. So I was exposed to, at a pretty early age, I was listening to ACDC and Aerosmith and Van Halen and Leonard Skinner and Molly Hatchet and everything that was, you know, coming out of my big brother's room. So that was already kind of making a dent. But Eddie Van Halen was like my first guitar hero. And then I just started like kind of like checking each great player out. Jimi Hendrix, Jimmy Page, Billy Gibbons, Randy Rhodes, you know. And I didn't really get into the metal guys until probably my mid-teens. But I think, you know, my mainstay has been Jimmy Page has always been, that's, that's my guy, man. That's the guy I look up to the most just terms of his songwriting and his approach to the instrument and the acoustic stuff the electric stuff his production just his his take on stuff is you know if it's any if it uh you know my daughter's middle name is Paige and she hates yeah. it now but she'll think it's cool one day i think <laughs> but uh well tell her well tell her what Zach Wilde did to his poor kids Hendrix yeah, Halen right. Page <laughs> <laughs> right, right that's nothing man that's easy <laughs> He got off easy. But, yeah, so my guys are like Jimmy Page, Jimi Hendrix, Billy Gibbons. I love Mark Ford. I love Luther Dickinson's playing, Warren Haynes, um, Peter Green, uh, you know, just uh, kind of heavy blues guys. Like, But, you know, I love my metal players, too. Love Zach, love Dime, Randy Rhodes, uh, you know, all, all those guys. But uh, when it's really, you know, when you come down to it, for me, it's about those, those heavy blues kind of cats. You know, you mentioned Peter Green, which not really a household name in America, but a guy that so many people love. And I was just talking to Kirk Hammett, who told me he's doing something with Peter Green now, which is crazy. Wow. I guess Peter Green's got Good a record him. or something coming out, and he's told me he was going. He was going to England. He's like sent me a text. He's like, "Dude, I'm going to England. I'm doing some stuff with Peter Green." So uh, Peter Green is a is a guy that uh, well, well, Green Man Alishi, Judas Priest is Peter Green. So. There, there's a big, a big influence there, but a guy that one of those many guys that not necessarily household name, but had a big impact on a lot of people. Yeah, for sure. That whole British blues thing, man, is just really kind of a lot of people's cornerstone. Yeah. So what's the what's the projection for for uh, what, what's 2020 looking like for you, Mark? Both with this and are you going to be able to tour this? And then you know how are things shaping up for Lamb of God? Um. 
2020 is going to be going to be nuts. We've got uh, for Lamb of God particularly. There's a we've got new music coming soon, um, and it's I I'm really really couldn't be more excited about. It. There's a whole fresh new energy in the band. It's our first recordings with Art. You know, Art's been playing drums with us now for a couple of years, but these are our, are our first songs that we've written and recorded with him there, and uh, it's it's just a thrill to see these things come to life. And I couldn't be happier with how the record's turning out and excited for the world to hear that. There's going to be a lot of touring around that, so we're going to be super busy on the road. Um, I just finished up a, a solo acoustic tour with, uh, I had Mark Morales and uh, another guitar player, Joe Harvitt, with me. We did a tour of England um, with the solo stuff for Ether, and would love to do some more of the solo shows and be it acoustic or electric, nothing on the books right now. I'm going to wait and see just how much lamb fills up the calendar and then kind of go from there. Lamb of course is my priority and my main focus. So I'll, I'll kind of work in the breaks on with anything else in between the lamb stuff. But yeah, a lot of new music, a lot of touring, uh, in 2020. Good to have. Work yeah. I saw, I saw, yeah, for sure. I saw art out in LA last week or two weeks ago around Nam and stuff. We, we talked for a little bit, saw him at a couple different events. So looking forward to hearing him on the record as well. When is, uh, what is there a target date for the lamb of God album to come out tentative? There's not. There's not. I mean, there's a time frame. Um, I don't actually know a date. They haven't announced yet. But I, I, I would think first half of the year. I think. But it's so it's done. Done. You're done with it. I'm done with it. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the other guys might. Willie might be in there toiling. You don't know. But you're you're you've done no, your part. You're I'm, done. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure he's done with it too. No, I, I think it's. I think it's. I think the I think it's been printed at this point. I think the last pictures oh. and masters are printed. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, look forward to that. And obviously, yeah, I'm sure you guys are gonna. I mean, there's be be a, a busy time coming up with that record coming out and a lot of touring opportunities. That's it's what it's about for everybody these days, being out there on the road and and doing your thing. So that'll be cool. And hopefully, you'll be able to find a window to get out and do some more shows with this man. I'd love to see you do. Uh, you know, do, do some of this stuff live. I think it's really cool what you're doing, uh, both the previous record and then this new EP, Ether, is really, really cool stuff. I, I, I think it's, um, you know, it's, it, I, I've always felt to me like if you're going to step out of your main thing and do something on the side, it should be a little different than what you do with the main thing. Otherwise, why not do it with the main thing? That's how I've always looked at it as a fan. And you've definitely yeah, done I, that. I mean, this is a whole different thing for, for from Lamb of God. For sure. I mean, look, I'm I get to be in Lamb of God, and I, I'm pretty pretty solidly of the belief that we're one of the best heavy metal bands in the world, and I'm lucky to be a part of that. So yeah, if I'm going to do something on the side, I'm going to try and make it a little different because um, might as well. I can't compete, you know. If I'm going to do metal, I got a good place to do that. Yeah, yeah. And this record is out right now. Ether is out. Uh, is is uh, tell everybody all the ways to get it. If they are there, is there physical copies? Are there CDs? Are there vinyl? Is it download only? How can people get it? Yeah, it's so it's everywhere you stream and download music. There are physical copies. They're a little bit behind, so it came out digitally first. But I think the uh, the CDs and vinyl are available for pre order on all my socials. There's also markmortonmusic.com and it's uh this this project is on rise records um so yeah so all the physical stuff is on pre-order and will be out soon and then digitally everywhere you get your music cool i'm all about cds still so i'd love to get a cd when you have them i'll hit you up i will see that you get one eddie 
All right, Mark. Well, listen, man, good luck with this. And uh, looking forward to you know seeing what you guys have in store for the year. And I appreciate the time, man. Say hello to everybody, and I'll, I'm sure I'll see you out there somewhere soon. I will do that. Thanks for all your time. Thanks for all your support. Take care, Ed. You got it. See you, Mark. Take care. See ya. Well, my thanks to Mark Morton. And check out his latest EP, as well as the full-length album that came out earlier with a bunch of different guest singers, which was real good as well. Thanks to Randy Bly for joining me earlier as well. And look for Lamb of God coming up on tour with Megadeth and a new album, which appears to be self-titled, coming out uh, in a couple of months. A single and video is out there right now. Hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Like I said, a very metal one focused on two different members, two separate interviews of guys from the same band. Remember to follow me on social media for info and updates, and be sure to listen to me every day on Sirius XM Radio Channel 106. I'm live 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Volume, talking rock, doing interviews. That's where the interviews you hear on this podcast originate from. And thanks to Katie Irizarry. She puts the whole thing together for me. Be sure to go to eddytrunk.com for all my appearances, music news updated daily. There's a merch store as well. If you'd like to hear my terrestrial radio show, you can become an all-access member of the site and hear it on demand. And again, Twitter and Instagram, where I'm most active, at Eddie Trunk. Have a great week, everybody. See you next Thursday for another all-new episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast, free, as always, at podcastone.com, Apple Podcasts, and now totally free on Spotify as well. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.